What is going on, guys? And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Everyday Growth Podcast with your host, me, Anthony J. Here we search out for individuals who have had growth in one way or another during their lifetime. And guess what, guys? Like always, my next guest is definitely no stranger to growth. At a young age, he learned that he was on his own and had to fight just to keep his head above water. Fast forward a few years, and he was living the dream, making his first fortune and loving every second of it until he lost it all. Now, a truly humbled man, backed by his queen, who has been there by his side through the thick of it, preaching, you are truly your own competition and positivity over everything. Without further ado, I give to you a truly self-made man, creator, and motivator, Tyler Blackmore fucking Hughes. How the hell are you, my man? What is going on? Woo! Anthony, I love it, baby. I'm so pumped to be here, man. There's only a few of us out there in the world trying to get it, and I'm just so grateful to be here with you. And and hello to everyone. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. And uh, Anthony's a beast, man. I hope you're following him in every way. And um, even if you want to follow him from his house to the store to the gym, whatever you want to do is cool because he's worth it, man. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, man. That's super humbling to hear from you. But dude, honor is all mine. I've been talking to you for quite some time now. And I just know that we crossed some way somehow through the positivity and motivation that we started giving out about six, seven months ago. And we've been talking ever since. And I just want to say thank you for truly being that person who actually responds to fucking DMs, gives me a good heads up once in a while. And you do keep me on, on my toes and you do keep me on the straight and narrow, dude. So I, I appreciate you more than you know, too. Seriously, man. You are, you are definitely the fucking man. You're the man. How is it going, man? How's Montana? Well, it is freezing today, but uh, it's been lovely up until now. I'm one of those psychos that loves the colder it gets because I get out there and and I find the activities that uh, are fun in the freezing weather. So I go hunting, I go ice fishing, and, and me and my three-year-old will sit on the ice at negative five degrees for murder. Um, and so, you know, I heard Zig, Zig, Zig Ziglar said a long time ago, I just made a conscious choice in my life that I was never going to be one of those individuals that was affected by the weather. And so, you know, like, I'm just going to have a good day no matter what. I mean, someone says, oh, you know, it's raining outside. Well, the whole earth is growing, right? Like someone says it's raining outside, you can't make sales. And, and the correct salesman is like, oh, it's raining today. There won't be any other salesman out and everyone will be home. And so that's where I'm at in Montana, man, is I'm just loving every day. Yeah, dude, it's one of those things too. It's like, there really isn't any excuses, you know? Like they say, when you look outside and you let the weather dictate what the hell you're going to do that day, it's like, you're already losing the game, you know? Yeah. So we definitely just got to get out there every single day. But man, we've been talking for a very long time. And the one, your, your story, man, it's just, um, it really resides in me because we both have a, a similar come up in different, different areas of the world and different aspects of our, our life and age and everything, man. But dude, if you can share a little bit to everyone who's listening, just like how you uh, on the come up and where you came from and how you really are a, a self-made man and what really happened through the last, from 2007 to uh, today, man, if you can share that story, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll try and not draw it on too long so that I'm boring people to death. Um, it, it is extensively long, but I'll just try and categorize it in a couple nutshells. So um, I was born on Max Vacus's ranch here in Montana. Um, he was the governor or something. I'm not, I'm not too into politics, but I just know that he was a figure of some sort. And uh, my mother was from Wisconsin, and she came over here to work on the farm for a summer. She met an individual that was younger from California, um, and I was conceived here in Montana. She went back to Wisconsin. He went back to California, um, where the family found out about it, and 
it turns out that he was one of the richest men in the world. And um, it's crazy how it all happened because he was so rich that his family actually went to Wisconsin and told my family, if you acknowledge this child, we'll fucking kill all of you. And they were, they were that rich, that white America, you know, and uh, just dirty people. Sucks he's my father. But um, long story short, they own Playtex. And so um, my family, my father's name is Mark Andrew Hughes, and he owns Playtex, and I've never met him, never spoke with him. I'm 41 years old. He's never sought out to speak with me. Um, so my mother just decided to go at it alone. She moved back to Montana because she loved it. And um, by the time I was 10 or 11 years old, she gave up on me. And uh, that was it. So no father, no mother, no brother, no sister. And at 11 years old, she put me into a psychiatric ward two hours away from where I live now. That was level three rubber walls, you know, no beds, no forks, no, no you know, nothing. And um, so at 11 years old, I had to live for four and a half months there through Christmas. She dropped me off right before Christmas. And um, so that's kind of just where I knew that the world was going to get pretty gnarly for me. And um, at 12 years old, I was in another institution in Idaho um, for 14 months. And then um, I ran away from there and I broke into a munitions factory. I thought it was a gun factory, but I, I broke into it and uh, all there was was bullets everywhere. <laughs> so, um, so I get arrested and, and beat severely by the police. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm 13 years old and they send me to another home, a locker facility in Washington. Um, and it just kept going like that for me. And so by the time I hit uh, 16 years old, you know, you know, like I think at 14 years old, I was actually in juvenile prison, Pine Hills School for Boys in Montana here. It's an actual prison. And, uh, you know, I spent half a year there. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I, I got really scared at that point. I was insane before that. Didn't really have any, you know, um, correlation to cause and effect or you discipline and regret. And so uh, when I got out of that prison, I, I didn't really trust people. And so I, they put me back into the high school system. And, and I remember one day a kid came up and asked me if I wanted to play some basketball. And I was like, why the fuck would I want to play some basketball with you? What's your angle, buddy? And, uh, and so, you know, I had to go through that for about a year. And uh, it forced me to kind of grow up a little bit because I stopped being so crazy and just living, you know, like a lunatic. Um, so I jumped into sports. And um, now I was a junior in high school and I actually got a foster home. So now I had a little bit of normalcy. Um, they accepted me into their home. And, um, you know, I still have a mom in the world, but I don't know what she's off doing. You know, she's off getting like degrees and stuff. She's a super overachiever. So she's not a, a scumbag, except that she's just a scumbag, you know. And so um, I get out of high school and I get a couple of scholarships for track because I'm actually just ripping and javelin and shot putting discus and I'm the best thrower at the high school and I, I throw some of the farthest throws they've had in 20 years so I'm I, you know I'm hall of fame in it and I'm going to the university I get to the university and I meet everyone on the track team and they all do drugs like crazy they smoke pot do acid mushrooms all day every day and these are the full ride scholarship guys so I was like wow you know I'm fucking up man and so I uh so my first year of college, I started banging out fake IDs, uh, you know, and um, I, I'm making money off that because I don't have family. I don't have a support system. I always have to generate everything on my own in life. And so these things that could have ended up me up in prison or, or, um, or 
put my life in a deficit forever ended up being my greatest treasures. They made me a fucking animal in every way that anyone could ever imagine. Um, you know, I'm not a tough guy or anything, but like if you threw me into a fight with 10 guys and they all had weapons, I really would want to go at it without a weapon because I'm one of those old biological, you know, like war types that wants to be a man and provide for my family and show my children that you bring fists to a fight um, after you bring your words. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you really got to get down. So, um, so I'm in this foster home. And everything is uh, crazy. Uh, within the first week in the foster home, I got arrested for Grand Theft Auto and, and all types of stuff like that. So even though I'm doing much better, I'm still completely um, un unbarred in terms of having any moral compass. Um, so I, get, I quit college and I moved to Washington. And uh, you know these fake IDs, I'm making them like crazy. I'm getting in trouble. I'm getting arrested every other weekend for something. So it's like, I got to flee. So right before I flee, I meet these individuals and they're growing all this marijuana and, and they have money and everything seems so easy. So I make the traditional mistake, you know, I got one year of college, um, smart enough to get a job, how smart do I have to be? So I leave and I go to Washington, I start growing dope immediately. I've got two or three houses within a year, I'm doing really well. I'm growing 99 plants per house just to keep it under the federal limit if I do get busted. Um, and I get a job at KFC, <laughs> you know, I'm the assistant manager at KFC and uh, I still don't have that moral compass. So, so I'm stealing nonstop. I, I'm selling 38 piece buckets of chicken, you know, for two bucks for like a little meal and just pocketing 35 bucks at a time. And, and, you know, without that compass, you know, I, I'm raking in, you know, three, 6,000 bucks a month, just ripping off KFC and I feel great about it. Um, and, you know, and I'm, I'm 19 years old. And I'm living in Washington with nobody. And, and um, after about two months, I just got sick of it. And um, I went home one night and I was already feeling the depth of stealing. And uh, someone had robbed my house that night. And so I came home and I was like, wow, man, God's lessons are so stiff. Um, and, and the learning curve is too steep if you want to go against it. Uh, whether you believe in God or not, I don't give a shit. This is just my personal story. And so I just screamed at him, why, you know? And he said, because you're a piece of shit, Tyler. And you don't have to be just because you came from shit. And so um, I said, all right, um, you know, I'm 20 years old. I'm not about to learn any lessons. So I was like, I hear you, I hear you. So I had a couple more grow houses and then I get nastier with it. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, I had a child. Uh, Violet, my youngest daughter, and I'm living in this mansion, massive, massive $2.5 million house up on this place called Deer Lake in Washington above Spokane. Um, and I just scored it. The guy was trying to sell it. He wanted to rent it for a year or two. I'm growing tons of dope in it. And I come outside and I got my daughter and she's brand new and it's foggy and it's the middle of the night and I walk outside. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Anthony. And I look up and there's an EC2 just hovering above my house, just, just scanning my grow rooms. And, and so I just knew I was done for it. So these repetitive life-ending situations where I knew I was going to get taken out, um, God blessed me through them, but they ended up being that fuel to let me know like a thousand times you should have been done for, Tyler. So what are you going to do tomorrow, you know, as severance to make up for this? Um, so I decided to quit that. And, I broke up with my woman and we just had a baby. So that was difficult. And so now I'm 21 years old in Spokane and I met the wrong woman, man. I met a, a, a Filipino woman from Manila, Philippines. Um, 
that was 10 years older than me and and I was down to impress so uh, I got into the cocaine game and I really took a downward spiral and I, I started moving keys down around Juarez and uh, I was bringing 25 keys at a time up to Pasco, Washington, um, where we'd split them up. And then, you know, I'm sending them to Chicago. I'm sending them to Missoula, my hometown here. And um, within the first month, uh, you know, I made somewhere around $100,000. And even though marijuana was good, you have to wait so long for it. So, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not a drug dealer. I'm not a piece of shit. I'm not, I just sell a little Coke on the side. I sell a little weed, stuff like that. Um, but before long, you know, I'm going to GNC and I'm buying thousand gallon jugs of creatine and I'm coming back and I'm cutting these kilos and now I'm starting to get really heavily into it. And I'm 21 years old. I've got a, a beast of a house in the Spokane Valley. I've got my girlfriend. I've got all the vehicles and toys. And I'm driving to McDonald's in the morning with a 45 on my lap. Um, you know, so sketched out and, and I wasn't even doped up. I just realized you know, where I was at in life. I knew people were trying to kill me and take my money and stuff. And so um, it all ended up coming to a head when, um, you know, I got to be too deep. I was feeling so much guilt over my woman have moved back, had moved back to Montana with my daughter, um, but she was pregnant. So I had gotten her pregnant right before she left. So now I know I have another child coming. I'm over here with this crazy Filipino bitch that's trying to kill me every other day. She, she's the worst thing that's ever existed. And, um, and this car keeps coming to my house, this black car, and I can tell it's going to rob me. And so finally one day I end up chasing it through Spokane at 10 a.m. And, and I put a gun in this kid's face right through his window, right on Sprague Avenue, uh, you know, with 150 cars watching me. And, uh, and I realized like I was going to kill this kid. And I was like, where has my life went, Anthony? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I, I jumped in the car and I was like, that's it. I'm done. And I get a phone call immediately from this girl. She's like, Tyler, you're all over the police scanners. They didn't get your license plate, but they're like, yo, this gold Tahoe just shot two people in front of the dollar store on Sprague. I was like, I didn't shoot anybody. You know, and, and so I, I told the Filipino woman, hey, let's, let's move into a big house. Let's pack our shit. So we got everything and we moved it all into a storage unit. And I, I, the last item I put in the storage unit was six kilos of cocaine. And I shut the door and I told her, hey, I'm going to drive to Montana, uh, make some more money, blah, blah, blah. So I go to her house. I give her 10,000 bucks cash. I give her 5,000 bucks for a car and keys to the storage unit. And I said, I'll be back tonight. And, and then I went with my buddies and we rented the storage unit right next to it. And I moved all my shit out and separated our belongings. Uh, so now I could actually break free. I come to Montana. I get here. I'm partying one week. I'm 21, 22 years old. And um, I blow probably 50K, um, taking some of my buddies out. And I was like, wow, I need to re-up. So I drive straight back to Washington. I pick up three kilos in Pasco. I get to Spokane. I ask my friend to drive it to Montana for me. You know, I'm going to pay him. He doesn't tell me that his license is suspended because he's afraid he's not going to get the job. So we drive it to Montana. We get to Montana. You know, I have everything, Anthony. I've got all the toys, everything. So even the back of my truck's got like 50, like, TVs that you can install in the back of your headrests and shit like that. So we get to Montana, we pull over at the truck stop. I give him a thousand bucks for driving the three hours. The th and he, he doesn't even know it's three kilos. He doesn't care. I give him two TVs to throw in his car and um, he's snorting oxys and doing that left and right with his new fiance. I tell him, go get a hotel room, don't get high and try and drive home. So he gets to the hotel room, they have sex for a while and then he goes to drive home in the middle of the night. Gets pulled over 120 miles an hour, uh, an hour outside of town. 
car goes off the road, he's paralyzed from the neck down, his girlfriend's cut in half, killed instantly. So the cops pop open his trunk and find a checkbook in a backpack that belonged to the guy that was doing all of the slanging for me. So they look up his name, this and that and everything. This kid's paralyzed, he rats on us in every way. They go to the hotel. We're in the hotel when the cops knock. We have all this cocaine. And just by the grace of God, the police officer's radio squelched right outside the door. And we were able to flush all of the cocaine. And they came in and they, they were able to charge the guy that rented the room with a misdemeanor cocaine charge because they found some residue on the toilet and stuff. But I was free to go. And so then like a month later, um, in the interim of interviewing that kid and his girlfriend dying and all that, you know, he ratted on everybody. So I get arrested, pulled over here in Missoula, Montana by like 15 vehicles, all undercovers. And they pull me in this room and they just hammer me all night long. How they have seven blue books of people just testifying against me. And uh, I've never been caught with anything, Anthony. I'm spotless still. Um, before I was 18, I had about 19 felonies. Uh, or, or I think it was 13 felonies and 19 misdemeanors, actually. But like I had one of the worst records that's ever existed. And so, uh, but as an adult, I was cool. So I just stuck to my guns. They grilled me all night long and then they kicked me out. So now I was stuck in this thing where I'm 21 years old. I don't know if I'm going to prison. I don't know if I'm guilty. I don't know if they've got me. I don't know shit. So I called the big guys in Seattle and they say, come over here, 2200 building. Let's get you with the big lawyer. So I go over and I talk to him and he tells me, fuck the FBI, fuck all of them. He's like, they'll come get you if they can come get you. You just stay in Seattle and live here. But now, Anthony, I'm in Seattle and I don't have $1. I literally left $600,000 in Missoula um, at an apartment that I knew they were going to get. And, and they ended up not getting it, by the way. And, and the, this kid just got the money in life. But um, so now I'm, uh, I fled. I'm in Seattle. And luckily, one of the big guys over there, a guy that actually was pulling a thousand pounds at a time from Canada, um, grabs me and says, "Hey, you're the you're the mad scientist. You're you're El Ducho." They called me because um, when I drink beer, I'd get a rash, so I'd always drink that those big old jugs of Carlo Rossi wine, you know, because I was ghetto. And uh, so he called me El Ducho. He's like, "El Duch, come to Melrose, come to Los Angeles, come to Vegas. Let's get fucking crazy. Let's get you grow houses. Let's really kick this up." So a month later, I have three huge grow houses spanning from. Um, Emerson, which is north of Seattle, right next to Mount Baker. And then I had a grow house on West Alki, right there in West Seattle, right on the beach. And then I had a fat grow house just south of it in Lake Taps. And so for a year straight, um, I just grow dope and party and I got a Mastercraft boat and I have a white Ducati and I, I'm just living the dream. Um, but the whole time I don't know that, you know, there's probably this federal warrant just waiting for my arrest. My woman's back in Montana with these two kids. Uh, I'm sleeping with a different woman every night of my life, and I'm hopping in the shower in the morning, and I'm just crying myself awake. No joke. Um, I'm dating this girl, Joy. She just got a Dolce and uh, Gabbana modeling contract out of Studio City. Like, I'm, I'm right there where everyone thinks they want to be. You know, so fucking miserable. I would have put a bullet in my head at any point if I had a gun. And so... Um, so I'm cruising around with this girl, Joy. I've been growing dope, been doing everything, um, putting in a lot of dirt. I don't sell any cocaine or anything like that. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm doing it, I'm partying and stuff. But um, 
I've, I've found my, my niche. And then all of a sudden, I'm driving downtown and, um, and these, these baller guys had this debt chain that was worth 90K, an old Mr. T gold chain, didn't even have a connection link, just a big fucking nasty chain. And I used to love to wear it. So I threw it on, you know, this thing's an inch and a half thick, Anthony. And I looked like um, Slick Rick. And so I pulled the stoplight, I looked to the left of me and there's two cops and they're looking at me and they're like, fuck this guy. And I'm in a convertible black Saab, brand new. And uh, it was hers, the girl I was seeing. So they pull me over and um, I give them a fake ID, boom. I'm in the basement of King County, the worst fucking jail ever in the basement, like the grossest shit you've ever seen. And, uh, and I just remember it was a couple days before Christmas. Once again, fucking Christmas with me. And, uh, and hope the mother of my kids and the kids were flying over to spend Christmas with me. Tickets were paid for and everything. I hadn't seen them in a year. So, and, I, and I'm a family guy, I love my kids. So uh, that was horrible. And so I spent um, six and a half months locked up in King County. And while I was there, Robert, uh, or no, that was Robert Yates, the serial killer from Spokane. Um, Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer with 75 murders, uh, was put in the jail with me and convicted right in front of me at the exact same time I was in there. And I'm telling you what, you wanna see 25 of the biggest old boys you've ever seen, like gold teeth, killing everyone their whole life. Everyone was in tears for two hours straight watching a real madman. Um, so I get out of there, they extradite me. I spend a month in the Kent Regional Justice Center. They extradite me to Spokane through Ellensburg. They get me to Missoula County where I spend an additional eight or nine months in county jail. And so now I've been locked up almost a year and a half. Um, no family came to visit me. Like, like I have any, but you know what I'm saying? So my mother never even came to visit me once. Um, no money, none of the people that I had made filthy rich, absolutely zero people there for you when you don't have the right structure. Um, so I go, I go to get out, they charge me with conspiracy because all these people said I did all this shit, but that's a hard crime to convict. Um, but it does carry a life sentence on the max end. So I couldn't fuck around. So I worked for a plea agreement as hard as I could. I got a plea agreement of 10 years in prison with all of it suspended for the year and a half that I had already served and a $40,000 fine with all kinds of classes and bullshit. Um, luckily, the lawyer I had jocked for the entire year and a half at like 100 bucks a day or whatever, and he was able to knock off $29,000 of the debt. So I got out, I'm fucked, I'm 23, 24 years old, I have nothing, mother of my kids hates me, I'm now back in Missoula dead broke, I've got 10 years to be on felony probation, no job, not even a fucking cell phone, Anthony. And, um, and so I went to work, you know, I, I got a job and I started selling cars and I started grinding. And um, for the first few years, you know, I was just drinking so heavily and sleeping with everything that moved. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm talking hundreds of women too. Like I'm not just out there trying to say, like I'm a predator. I go to the bar, I get drunk, I take home the girl that I want, I try and, mask my pain um, and so I get out um, I get out there I'm working on this and that girlfriends I'm actually getting to take care of my kids and stuff it's pretty cool but I'm like always about to perish you know what I mean and so finally I just had enough and 
I was dating this worthless girl, man. She's just ruining my life forever. You know, it was me. I was worthless, but you know, two worthless get together. And, um, and so I'm getting revoked left and right, like nonstop drinking, nonstop. The only miracle thing is, is I somehow stopped smoking pot and I didn't smoke one hit of pot for seven years straight until I actually got out. And, but uh, I'm crazy. I'm going through it. So much pain. Uh, I just want to put a bullet in my head every day of my life for years. And I don't know how I made it through it. Like literally just crying myself to sleep at night. No family, no support group. And I'm a piece of shit and I know it. So now I'm probably 27, 28. And, um, and here's what happens. I start taking steroids. I'm huge, right? I'm 265 pounds. I have 21 inch biceps. I, I'm getting to be just a monster like my buddy that I lifted weights with. But um, I start having issues and complications and all kinds of stuff. And before long, I'm losing weight like crazy. I'm going to the hospital every day. I don't understand what's happening. And then they pull me in and they're like, you have an 813 blood sugar. You weigh 172 pounds and you're going to die before tomorrow morning. They're like, you have type one diabetes, your pancreas died. And I was like, oh my God. So, so I single-handedly took myself out with steroids and, and you know, never ending drug abuse. And so I was like, wow, this sucks. And uh, so that was when I really thought I'd probably give up. You know what I mean? I'm 28, 29 years old. And the first couple of nights, I was in the hospital for a week straight. It took them 11,000 units of saline and insulin. Um, to even bring me back to life. I gained back 24 pounds in 24 hours. And um, I went home and I spent the first week giving myself the wrong levels of insulin and almost dying over and over and over. Um, and then I met a woman, uh, my wife, Logan. And I was on house arrest from being revoked all the time. My teeth were falling out of my head because diabetes was whooping my ass. I don't have health insurance. I can't just go spend 50 grand to get my teeth fixed. Um, it's affecting my self-esteem. I'm working a shitty dead-end job detailing cars for 20 bucks a car, I'm making 60 bucks a day. And this woman falls in love with me. And she literally talks to me on the phone day and night and, and this and that and everything. And we're friends, um, but she's married. And, you know, and, and I'm not that kind of guy and she's not the kind of guy or I never would have married her, obviously. But so we're friends for like two years. And, and all of a sudden I had kind of a support system, this woman that just randomly cared about me so much, even though she was married and had kids and, and it never even once hinted about being attracted to me. Like I felt like if I had even mentioned I might fuck up our friendship forever. Right. So finally, you know, six months ago, she's telling me how miserable she is. She starts getting a divorce. I'm still in hell with the bitch that I'm dealing with. I'm trying to get off house arrest. I'm getting revoked every day. Um, and then all of a sudden life just brought us together, Anthony, and we ran into each other at fucking Shopco, some big supermarket, you know, and, and we started bullshitting and she was like, I'm getting a divorce. I was like, no way. And I was like, I'm on house arrest and fucked in every way imaginable. And you want to go get lunch? And she's like, yeah. And so a week later we met and had lunch and then we talked until five, six AM and I didn't sleep for one month straight. And, uh, that's how I knew I was in love. And so I got off house arrest. I moved in with her and I told her, I'm Tyler Hughes and I ball the fuck out at everything that I do and you've just met me at the lowest point in my life so I want to marry you in the whole night. And she's like, cool. So two months later, I had already bought us a house, had the Cadillac Escalade black truck and 15K sitting up on the counter just to hustle with. Um, so it took me two, three months to, to take her right where I wanted to be in life. And then I was like, let's really do it big. 
Um, so I went and bought her a, you know, a five, $600,000 house, like massive 4,500 square foot, brand new home, never been stepped foot in marble fireplaces, three stories. Uh, the playroom alone was as big as my entire house right now. Um, I put 400 marijuana plants in the garage and started growing there as heavily as I could on felony probation. So, um, I just sacked up and said, fuck it. And so for three years, we lived in that home and I started the largest medical marijuana dispensary in the state of Montana, the first actually in Missoula. And we had hundreds of patients and we're growing just endless amounts of marijuana. And I was telling the felony probation department that I did construction. So the ironic part about it is, is all these probationers are now getting their medical marijuana cards and they're going in and turning in their medical marijuana cards to the probation department that says Logan fucking Hughes on the back of every card, my wife. And they never put it together in a year and a half. I get off felony probation. I file. I get off early. And then um, I drove up to this farm and I said, hey, let's fill this farm with marijuana. What do you think? They said yes. And we grew $3 million worth of pot in the next 90 days. And uh, we split it and came back. And I was sitting there and, you know, I, I had a couple million bucks in this house. And we're, we're going to strip clubs. We're partying. We're, we're going to Vegas, you know. Uh, I got to party with the situation with my wife, you know, all kinds of stupid shit like that. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest piece of shit ever, Anthony. I just drink nonstop. I think I take care of my kids, but I'm probably just yelling at them. I'm probably just there. You know what I mean? Present. Just fucking them up, listening to terrible, you know, rap music, endless cuss words and this. And I love rap music. You know, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just not separating i'm not protecting him because i'm a fucking child inside um and so the pain with my children losing them over and over and again back to their mom back to me back to them back to them it's just horridness and uh and my kids are intelligent you know my my son javen who no one ever sees because he doesn't talk to me he's six 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 seven right now he's 17 years old and, at, and in second grade he tested 98th in the country for you know intelligence um but you know he thinks I'm a real piece of shit. He doesn't speak to me because um, her mom let him smoke and drink. And, I, you know, so my daughter left me for three years. Violet, the one that's back in my life now. And um, and so I'm really having to take a look at this. I'm like, wow, I made millions of dollars. And, and all it turned into was an alcoholic and a piece of shit. And, and then I was like, and, and it didn't do any of it. I did it all. And so I was like, what is going on here? And so um, then the laws shut down, Anthony, and I had to make a decision whether to be the person who's going to get arrested for life proving a point or i could just back up and say hey, i wanted to be successful with medical marijuana not the the you know the pin cushion and so we backed out of it and then um life got really hard for us and for the last eight years we moved up where we live now and um for the last eight years i opened and closed three separate dispensaries put all of our money and all of our life into it every time and lost all of it every time so three times over i've been rich and three times over i've lost it and when i've lost it we've literally been on food stamps and government assistance and energy share that would help us pay the power because i have nobody and uh, even though my wife's mom you know and them have a little bit of money uh, you know they're not trying to help out and if they help out when they can you know some clothes for the kids or this that which i'm so grateful for you know help with this or that but i've just never had anybody ever help with any money or anything like that um, so I told my wife, um, what are we going to do about this? You know, and, 
And so at a later age, at like 34, 35, I, I started slanging some pot again and, and was selling, you know, 100 packs here and there. And that was just a couple of years ago, you know, and I was like, I can't do this. So, so I took the last little bit of money I had um, and then I got into a really bad car wreck and I took a 6,000 bucks that I got from that. And so for five years, um, I had it open to the public. Anyone could come blow glass. And I had like 35 employees and I didn't have to pay any wages. So it was a genius, genius plan. They would just donate half of what they made every day. And so I built this huge Facebook group and, and I got really well known nationally in this class world. And I know everyone in every state. Um, but what I found was happening, Anthony, is I was getting bombarded day and night by every single human being I knew. So while I was trying to work and fulfill what I needed to be doing, how come 100 people a week were coming to me just trying to pick my brain for information about how to have a more healthy, happy philosophy? So what I found was that every fucking buddy was just as miserable as I was, whether they were rich or not. So that's when all of a sudden God said, Tyler, you're supposed to get on there and speak all of the bullshit about the pain and the suffering and the agony and the successes and the defeats and the failures and how it's all fucking here for you as this gigantic tool belt for you to use at some point when your dumbass has no idea you're collecting iron. And so most people collect these skills and let them go just as fast as they do. But I realized that this is your most valuable tool is what's going on inside your brain. And so after we shut down the last dispensary in 2015, I said, fuck this. And uh, I took my last sip of beer and I looked at my wife and I said, that's your last sip of beer too. Cool. She was like, absolutely. And we stopped and we didn't take a sip of alcohol for five years from 35 years old to 40. And I stopped listening to rap music. I stopped letting my kids listen to it you know, in the background. And I literally just started reading every single book that I could get my hands on. And I went absolutely insane with it. And I would be out tending marijuana plants in 100 degree heat all day listening to four audiobooks straight. I wouldn't listen to a piece of music. And, uh, and it changed me so swiftly. Within one year, uh, I wrote three books. I have them finished, haven't even published them. Um, I jumped back in terms of production, was killing it, was making incredible money. And, um, and even though I had changed my entire philosophy and everything was getting better and I'm being a better father now and stuff starting to come together, I'm almost dying you know, once a week, once a month from my diabetes. I'm hospitalized, I'm driving to the paramedics, had to come to my house and save my life on fucking Easter of this year. My children had to sit there and watch that. Do you know what I'm saying? So I go through it never endingly like most people will never dream of and I have to fight minute by minute and day by day just to be able to keep myself alive yeah. while most people are just sitting there bitching about their fucking hamburger not having the right cheese on it or this, that, you know, I'm sitting there trying to guess how much insulin to give myself with food so I don't go into a coma while I'm driving home. And so just that alone is, is a mental struggle that will make me in a, a different realm, a paradigm that most people could never understand. And so to wrap my whole story up, I, uh, I hit a broke point and, and everything was just horrible and the glass shop was failing because I was trying to count on other people to produce for me. And, and you can't take an idiot and motivate him, right? You have a motivated idiot. And so uh, I was trying to create what I have inside me through all of these external employees that don't do shit and just want to party all day long. So I was like, man, I have such a flawed plan. 
So um, a gentleman hit me up on Instagram and said, hey, I think you'd be perfect for this network marketing company. Have you ever done network marketing? You know, and, and uh, I know there's a lot of good network marketing companies out there, but man, if I had known, I would have stayed so fucking far away from it. I had no clue. But uh, they're like, oh, great company. You get to sell internet and phone and, and cable and all this stuff that people actually need. It's not just some fucking soap or something. So I was like, oh, I can get behind that because I actually use Charter. I actually have Verizon, you know. And so I hammered it for a year and I was signing people up like crazy. But I made a crucial mistake and, and I kind of used my Instagram a little bit as well to start talking about business. And, they, and I didn't realize how much people hate fucking network marketing. And so, um, so within a year, I signed up 138 people at $500 per their own online store. And I should have just been killing it richer than shit. I, I'm in other cities hanging out with the 80th top highest paid network marketer in the world. And he's telling me about what life is like collecting, you know, a hundred to $350,000 a month on autopilot. And I'm like, yeah, I could imagine, you know, but um, I just quickly saw how flawed that entire plan was. And I ran from it as fast as I could. Um, and I ended that about a year, year and a half ago. And so then I just said, Hey, hey I'm going to go after what I'm supposed to do in that life. And that's helping people and sharing the little bits of bullshit that I actually do know. And, uh, and even if I don't know it, if I even go after the opinion or my outlook with the genuine, um, the genuine, um, not motivation, but, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm really sincere about how I'm trying to come at it, then you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be a professional. You don't it's fucking heart, man. And if people can feel that heart, anyone can go listen to a motivational speaker and be like, oh, he's got heart. Yeah, he's got $50 million in the bank. I mean, how much fucking, you know, like you don't have to have all the heart in the world, okay? It's the broke person that has the heart, man. They're the one that's still smiling when they have nothing. Um, and so I told my wife, let's make a go of it and, and this and that. And so I went back and I worked for a couple of companies and it was just so difficult working for someone else. And so I, I shut the glass tree down because I saw one Gary Vee video where he said, most people spend their entire life trying to hang on to something that they put money into or time. Right. right. And it will bleed them dry and they don't realize that if they just cut it loose, they could start, oh, you have to let it go to grow, right? Less brown. And so I said, he's absolutely right. So I shut it down, complete fear. I shut it down a little bit based on the, the Bible philosophy of uh, until you wash your hands with the unclean thing, you can't receive the full blessings. I'm like, man, I work harder than everybody. I've got more heart. I have, why the fuck am I so broke? Why is all this happening? And so I shut it all down. I got out of the network marketing. I said, fuck all of it. And I came home dead broke. And I told my wife, I've got some nice suits. <laughs> I've got some alligator shoes, you know. Let me hit up some big dogs and see if I can't go be a motivator, a speaker, and a communicator for real. So I hit up my friends in California. They offered to pay me to come down there and help and speak and do stuff like that. And I did it. And we had some discrepancies between us. And he didn't pay me the full amount he was supposed to. And I kind of bitched up on him a little bit. Um, and I came back here. And now I was really broke. And this is six months ago, Anthony. So now... I went to Cleveland, I went to San Jose, I went to San Diego, I went to San Francisco, I went to Vegas, I, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm trying to sell, I'm doing all this stuff, I'm trying to raise money, and I'm trying to do it all now in the name of hemp. I'm trying to get into this hemp industry to take my 20 years of cannabis knowledge and, and use it, right? And so 
the individuals that I'm working with end up just kind of um, having some good fortune and they sell the company we're working on for $30 million. And uh, there's no money there for me because um, I was going to be a part of the company, not just get a commission from selling it. And so uh, I graciously just had to come back here uh, six months ago and look at my wife and say, holy shit, what are we going to do? And, and I got lucky and I watched a little video and Will Smith and Jada Pinkett said, man, at 40 years old, we were like ready to call it quits. We were so fucked. We had no idea. And then that Mel Robbins, that, that female that's amazing, she was talking about how she woke up at 40 and was like, oh my God, I'm dead broke. And so I decided not to panic. And I said, man, I'm going to have to do the worst thing in the world for me. And uh, I went in town and I thought, where could I work where I could actually make some money because there's not really a lot of money in a smaller town like this that has 100,000 people in it. And so I went to Honda, a car dealership in town, and I said, hey, I believe in Hondas, they're nice cars, and you know, maybe I can make some money because I'm not gonna make any money on a fucking hourly job. And so I sat at Honda from April until August of this year, and within the first month or two, you know, I'm, I'm tied with the first salesman there that's been there forever. You can't do that at a car lot, you know? And so after a couple months, uh, the manager lady sits me down and says, you know, you have the highest closing ratio in all of America for Honda. She's like, your closing ratio is over 50% and the top salesmen in the world are at like 35, 40%. So she was like, you're the best that there is. And I was like, I know that. But what you don't understand is that this is the shittiest I've ever done. And so I fucking walked out at that moment, Anthony. And I said, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And I left and I came home in August without $1 in my pocket, five children, type one diabetes, no money from Instagram, no family support, and not $1 in my bank account. And uh, that was two months ago. And so for the last two months, I built a program for an agricultural farm to farm hemp right here in Missoula. And I've been trying to fund it this entire time while I'm down at the office asking them to help me pay for my power currently. While um, I had to spend two days ago scrapping, going out looking for a couple dollars to go get my daughter a costume, literally before midnight when yesterday was Halloween. And in the morning I had to take her to the corn maze that you saw on my Instagram. I didn't even have the $20 to get into the corn maze. And so I truly am the person that lives 1,000% on faith, regardless of where my financial situation is, regardless of what my body looks like, regardless of where my mind's at. The one thing that I know and I have completely locked in in life is the focus that I know who I am, I know what I'm worth, and I know what I'll accomplish before it's all done, regardless of what the temporary pain of today feels like. And so... I sat for four hours with my family under a fucking stairwell the other day um, just to try and have some people help pay our power bill um, because like when you're broke, when you've been going a year without income, you're broke. You know what I'm saying? When you don't have family, you're broke. Most people will never understand it because they all have one person they can call and ask for help. So unless you're me, they don't know what that feels like. So I sat there for four hours to get a measly fucking power bill taken care of, which helps. Um, while I'm out looking for a job that could actually pay me more than by leaving for 20 days and going to work and I accumulate more bills at home than I would even make. You know what I mean? Because once we're of this age, we don't just have a thousand dollars in bills, you know, I got 3000 bucks a month just to keep my kids alive. And so, um, 
no one would admit stuff like this if they truly weren't the right person and had confidence because they would be too embarrassed. They would be too, but I'm not fucking apologizing when I have millions of dollars. And so I'm not going to apologize when I need some fucking help. And, and the reason I need help is because I go after all of it. And so I'm going to wrap this up with this, eh? I put my family in the car. I'm holding tears back for six months straight. I cry myself to sleep most nights because I'm not where I want to be in life, not because I'm a failure. I cry myself to sleep sometimes because I look at my children and I want so much more for them than I had and I know that I'm capable of it. And I'm a little scared because I know who I am and where I come from and I understand that if I don't have the discipline to do what's necessary, then life's gonna end up a certain way, inevitably, and it just might not be where I want it to be. And, and I just can't imagine in your life having to say one last thing before you die, oh, I wish. Fuck that, do you know what I'm saying? And so I drove out of the government place and all I could think about hey, was is how the fuck am I gonna get my daughter this costume? And my friend that I had been working on the hemp project called me and asked me to stop by, I stopped by, and my son screamed in my wife's Tahoe for 45 minutes while I had to sit there and talk to him. And he told me that he found the millions of dollars to fund my project. He told me that he found the land. He told me that he had a verbal agreement with both individuals and that if I went home that night and wrote out the final details and brought it to him that he might say yes within 24 hours to fund the entire multi-million dollar project that has a, um, an estimated yield projection of $35 million 110 days after we plant. And so, that's what I got to show my wife and my children and myself and God, the universe, just the day before Halloween. And then yesterday, I took, uh, oh, and I, so I came home and I said a quick prayer. And in five minutes, the gentleman that hadn't paid me for my work a year before in San Diego sent me $200 on PayPal. And at 10 o'clock at night, I was able to go get my daughter the costume, pay for the coordinates and everything. So my faith lives on pennies, just like it does on millions. And then I, took my daughter to the corn maze and then I came back and I met with that individual all afternoon and we drew out every single number and he said, okay, I'm going to go get the money tomorrow night after I get off work. And uh, I said, it sounds like we have this done. And he said, well, I don't know why we wouldn't because I've already done the work and gotten the confirmation. And the individual I'm working with is massive, you know, multimillionaire, very, very successful dude. So he's, he makes 60,000 a month just off one business. You know, he's not going to waste any of his time. So to have him, commit to me like that and this and that um, blew my fucking mind and showed me at 41 years old right now that this is probably the biggest movement on faith that I've ever seen personally. And, uh, and holy shit, man, I, I can't even believe I get to share that with you because um, I haven't even swallowed it yet. Because I mean, I have wrote down in this business plan, jobs and positions for everyone that I know and love. Like this faith will now create something um, that will show everyone that's ever been following me what's possible. And so thanks for letting me share that, man. Is that what today's all about? Are you gonna go sign, sign contracts and all that today? Today I'm going to stay as busy as I can because he's not going to meet that individual until um, his business closes at like five or six. He's gonna go meet him and have a beer at the bar. And so um, I'm actually waiting for a phone call or a text after he hangs out with this individual that 
it's a done deal. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so today is the day. Yeah. Fuck, man. I'm holding that. I'm holding back tears over here, man. I had no idea, bro. We haven't talked in a while, and I, I still thought you were doing the whole uh, selling at the, the for that multi-level marketing type thing that you were doing, and I, that's what I thought you were still doing, man. I had no fucking idea that this was going on. And before we go any further in the podcast, I just want everybody to take a fucking second, pause the podcast, and really soak up what Tyler just, you know full transparency from this man right now. And like he said, most people would hide from this. Most people would pull the veil down. Most people would not get out of bed. And most people don't have the guts, the gusto, the balls, whatever the fuck you want to call it, to even speak the truths of your own failures in life. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that on my podcast. I'm truly, truly honored that you would even say any of that on this podcast. I had no idea that's where it was going to go, but dude, thank you so much. And you know, whatever you guys believe in God or not, but you know, GB to you, my man, God's, uh, God's definitely watching over you. Question I have for you, man, is, you know, tough question. I'm going to ask it to you, man. Have, have you forgiven yourself for everything that's kind of happened in your life? Are you still holding anything back? You know, um, once again, most people would say yes, just out of ego, but I'll tell you no, but I'll put a caveat on that, which is, there's no way to equivocate out the ebb and flow, the balance or the titrating between two individuals. So where one man may have forgiven himself at 25% or 100% or 50%, there's no actual real correlation in the gravity between that and what the other man has accomplished. Because one man's burden for him to be able to make it through that burden and even forgive himself 1% and still hold 99% guilt may be so much more powerful than the man over here that just really never went through shit uh, or went through everything but was too ignorant or dumb to hold it against himself. And so he forgives himself 100%, but it doesn't mean a fucking thing. And so what I would tell you is that um, I'm trying to forgive myself um, and I'm able to forgive myself to a point where most people say, well, well, if you're still hearing the negative voices or if you're still fighting that and you, you haven't fucking gotten anywhere, what they don't realize is that you don't drown when you fall in the water, Anthony, you drown when you stay there. Right. And so it's not about not having the negative voice. I think the most talented, incrediblest individuals alive have the most demons. They're the ones that have the most reason to fight. And so for me personally, this, this unforgivingness that I haven't allowed myself is pure, pure anger without being angry. So it's just a never ending fucking chip on my shoulder that says, hey, I'm not pissed about it. I'm not negative about it. I'm so fucking excited that I have a chance to blow this world up. What do you fucking mean you want to just go to work or you want to just do it? What do you mean you just want to have a beer? Let's drink 50. What do you fucking mean you don't want to take advantage of this life? Do you know that most people just walk around and they're just so spun out on these minute little things? 
Tyler Hughes is walking around just trying not to think about the fact that we're just this little infinitesimal piece of rice on a fucking planet floating in something that I can't even put my mind around. Human beings have boundaries and guidelines that allow our brains to operate. When you go outside that boundary and you start thinking about space and what we really are, you're fucking head will explode. So while most people can't even think about doing the right thing or smiling at a fucking human being, there's other individuals out there that are contemplating why we even fucking have flesh and breathe. And so for me personally, I have forgiven myself in the moment where the defeat attacks me and I say, fuck you. I'm here to go get it for my family today. I'm here to go get it for Anthony today. Fuck you, even though you exist. I can pay you an acknowledgement without making you an entity. Right. So right. now, Tyler has forgiven himself for everything that Tyler was because Tyler had no fucking choice and no guidance. Tyler has not forgiven himself for the never-ending poor choices that I've made since I've known better. So I'm struggling, but instead of defeating myself to where I can't grow, I'm utilizing it as a garden, and I'm just recycling in my brain what grew correctly and what didn't and i'm trying to plant more of the good and i'm trying to extract more of the weeds and as i slowly do that i'm the one proving through faith you know works and faith i'm the one that's proving that good or bad fail or success it's all about proceeding it's all about progress it's all about progressing through and not making the same mistakes continually that just waste time. You can make the same fucking mistakes and not really go back too much, but what you don't realize is that the time that you don't consider crucial is disappearing so fast and then it's just gone. And so like everything in our life we fuck up and we try and make up for it, but time you just can't do that. And so I've forgiven myself enough to where I can produce and I can get shit done. But to be completely honest with you, Anthony, I'm not sure that I've forgiven myself enough to allow God to release the full blessing to me yet. And so I figure I got a week or two to get it done. <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> Truly, man, I think, I think that is fucking the definition of perspective. I think you just pretty much rewrote the definition of perspective because in the, in the end of the day, that's really, that's really all it is, right? You have someone that is constantly angry because their their phone keeps clicking out of service and it's not fast enough or they they broke their computer and they they desperately need it to move forward and I don't and and I don't have a nice enough car and keeping up with the Joneses. Yep. Here people are like trying to buy a fucking five dollar suit for your daughter to go out and do Halloween. Like, dude, yep. that's fucking perspective. And if anyone is alive listening to this right now, will understand exactly what just happened here in the last couple of minutes, man. And I, I think it's one of those things like, and you always said, like, like you just said, like, fuck you, I'm going to keep moving forward. And it's the same way that I can correlate with what you're saying too. It's like those, everyone that's gone through shit, those demons just don't disappear. And I think you said it so poetically where people are like, well, man, how can you grow if you fully don't forgive yourself and you can't possibly move forward because you still have that lingering around. It's like, no, like no motherfucker. Like it's always there. It's always there. No matter what. It's up to us every day to whip those fucking dogs and whip those demons down again. See, I see you, motherfucker, but I ain't feeding you today. Amen. You're not biting at my fucking coattails today, motherfucker. I see you there. Yeah. But you ain't part of my life anymore. But, and the, those things, like, they don't make us who we are today. But this journey that, that Tyler Blackmore Hughes has gone through, this is your fucking journey. 
right? Yeah. This is for you. Yeah, this what is yours. This is yours. What if you, today we couldn't even, we never met, this never happened. You were still that old dude on that white Ducati slanging coke all the time. You'd be fucking dead. Absolutely. But your journey is coming. It's still going. It's not even halftime for us, bro. It's not even fucking close to halftime, man. So with keeping yourself busy today and not trying to get too excited because I know you got like six more hours before something might happen for you. And I know you're probably just shaking all day, man. But yeah. without, without that, let's take the, the hemp project out of it right now, man. Where's, where's Tyler's mindset at today? And um, I want to go circle back before I ask you that question. You said something very cool. Um, and I believe it too. And I want to touch base on that again, where you say, for doing things for your wife, doing things for your daughter, doing everything for them, for them, for them. And I think a lot of people don't understand this, but you truly don't start to live. In my opinion, you truly don't start to live until you understand that you need to live for everybody else and almost put yourself on the back burner. And I feel when once people make that move, that leap, that jump to that, that next space in life, you need to give, 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 give before you even ask for a simple thing. And I think that was one of the glor most glorious things you said on this podcast. Um, but between that and where's the mindset at today and uh, for Tyler? Uh, well, I like how you said that because, you know, a little Jim Rohn philosophy, um, here's how to get everything you want in life, helping other people achieve what they want and you get everything that you want. And then he says, let me repeat that again, you get everything that you want. And so what people don't understand is, is they think that um, you get what you want by chasing it. And you don't attract success by chasing success. You attract success by becoming an attractive person. And once I was slanging dope and I, and I was hustling and I was full of business, even when I started my Instagram, you know, four, three years ago, I'm doing it all because I have a motive. I'm doing it because I want something. I'm doing it because I want to accomplish something. You can have good motives and you can do it out of the correct, um, you know, heart and desire. You can actually be trying to accomplish something selfishly um, because you want to contribute to people. So being selfish isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's about where it's derived from. And so for me personally, um, I'm... I'm sad right now, Anthony. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself because I don't get to spend the amount of time with my daughter and my son that I want. And even if I could, I'm not mentally there. You know, it's like being at the fucking beach when you're at work and being at work when you're at the beach. It just doesn't work and it will never end. You have to teach yourself how to be in the moment. So where I'm at today is I'm fucking upset. I'm fucking pissed off. How about that? I'm as upset as I've ever been in my entire life, and I've never been more ready to go get it. Hell yeah. I got told yesterday that I'm going to receive $3 million for this project. I don't give a fuck, man, because, it's, because I learned the first time around. It's not the money. It's the phone call that I'll get to make to my friend and tell him that I did it. It's the phone call that I'll get to make to my other friend and tell him that even though it looks like he was a failure to his family and he smoked dope and he did all these things that his family didn't agree upon, that choice, those decisions that he made in life led him to come to Montana and actually run one of my dispensaries and build value in an individual 
through my eyes, mirroring his, um, his self-confidence, and I love him, and I'm going to get to call him and tell him now, hey, even though you just had to move from Montana back home, which feels like a complete failure, now, within a fucking week or two of going home in complete failure, you'll get to tell your folks, your family, and everyone in your life that the fucking decisions and failures that you made have now led you into earning a $75,000 a year job on year one in the hemp industry. And if you hadn't have made those choices, you would have not gotten the reward today. And so where Tyler Hughes' mindset is at today is this, close this fucking deal and start the rest of your life the way you should and utilize these gifts and these little bits of overrunning it and place them in, in places where you'll have a golden stream of income forever and you'll be allowed to contribute forever. Stop living fucking life like once you get there, it will be okay. Once you fix this problem with your relationship, you guys will love each other. Once you commit this next act of service, act of service to you at the church, they'll put you on the board. Fuck all of that. My man, Anthony J said it perfectly. It's, it's about the process. It's the fucking journey of who you are and who you're becoming. What, how could you feel good about winning if you couldn't lose? How could yeah. you feel good if I gave you a million dollars today and you didn't have to fucking earn it and you didn't understand it and you didn't know where it came from? You wouldn't appreciate it. It'd be gone in two fucking seconds. It's the process that allows you to write the book, right? If I just handed you a million dollars, how could you write the fucking book? So this story of our life, I think that I'm probably the happiest I've ever been in my entire life today because I know where I'm at currently. And that's that I'm unhappy with myself. I'm unhappy with what I've thus produced. I, comparatively speaking, one man's forgiveness, one man's competition, one man's feeling like he succeeded compared to the other, I haven't done a fucking thing with my life. So even though I've already done more than most people will ever do, that doesn't matter to me and it doesn't make me feel any type of false self-confidence. Like I said in my, in my video the other day, you don't pull up next to a guy in a piece of shit beat up on and feel good about your truck because uh, it's not reality. The fucking guy has a Ferrari at home, okay? <laughs> Bob Proctor says, when you're cold, you don't go looking for cold. You go looking for warmth. If we can attack our life like that, Anthony, instead of stressing out and worrying about every little thing and then double negasizing that, and that's not even a word, by continuing to worry about, oh, I'm cold. I'm just gonna worry about being fucking cold and freeze to death, right? No, we have a problem and if we spend our time looking for the solution, we're distracting ourselves simultaneously do two acts. So if you distract yourself, no matter how much pain you're in, by focusing on where you're going, the negativity just sits in the dark. And it's not that far away, right? Like there's darkness surrounding you. You flip on the light switch, the darkness is gone, but it's just fucking right there. And that's what people don't understand is you don't get rid of it. You just say, fuck you. And then you focus on what you're getting. And, and that's beautiful about life, right? That we're not barred up and held in prison if we allow our mind to let us roam. I think it's uh, the greatest story of adversity I have ever heard, but I think a bigger, a bigger part of the story is getting socked in the fucking jaw, hitting the ground, laughing, getting up, wiping your fucking lip off and going, has had all you got, bitch. And right? I, think, I think that's exactly how we have to look at life. Through all of your ups and downs, 
you've heard this story. You sure heard my story. And um, take a time to re-listen to this one, too, after you listen to it, because you're going to be shell-shocked by the end of this one. But that is life, ain't it? It's the ups and downs. You know, the other day, I'll have to send it to you. The other day, I found it on Instagram. Someone um, had this. It was a little science experiment with two marbles. And um, I'm actually using my hands because you guys can't see this, but uh, Tyler can see it. Two marbles. One, mar one marble track went down and went straight, came up, came back, went straight, went like this. The other one, he dropped it and went like this. Up and down, up and down, hit, came back, up and down, up and down, hit. Which one do you think was faster? Uh, yeah. The one that went up and down. It was, yeah. a, it was a little slightly bit faster on the rebound, and it kept getting faster as it goes. These ups, like you just said, you give me a million dollars today and I've never went through my demons. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a perfect U.S. citizen, right? I'm, I'm fucking yeah. dude. I'm on my nine to five. I'm paying my taxes. Everything's good. You give me a million bucks, it's fucking gone. gone. It's gone. The first thing I'm doing is going out and buying a fucking $80,000 car that I can't even afford to fucking have or put yeah. tax in it. Next yeah. thing you know, you bought this for this. You help out your family, your friends. Next thing you know, you just pulled a Mike Tyson. You're broke as fuck. Crazy, right? You, you don't even know what happened. You're like... That should have lasted me 10 years and, or maybe the rest of my life. And not to interrupt, because I love where you're going with this, but and to add to that, you're so fucked when you're Mike Tyson that even when you're broke, your mentality and your mindset was never in the correct place to handle that responsibility from the get-go. That's why yeah, you begin from dust and you end with dust. That's why you, you get rich and you end up fucking broke. Mike Tyson's philosophy and ability to handle money was so poor that even though he was broke, he completely failed to realize that he had $15 million in Bitcoin from accepting payments through cryptocurrencies on his albums. And so he sat there broke that entire time, not even realizing that he had $15 million. By the time he realized that he had that cryptocurrency wallet, Bitcoin had dropped in that two weeks and he was only able to cash out at 7 million bucks. Stop. I've never heard that story in my life. But isn't so that just that, something? You're so unplugged. You're, that, you don't even fucking understand what's going on. You're living in a fucking fishbowl. You're letting the matrix control the shit out of you. Yeah, you, you, give him a, you give him a million bucks and he can't write the book. Um, fortunately for 50 Cent, he can write the book. He just doesn't have enough intelligence to, to hit that upper echelon. And, uh, and you know what I'm getting at, man. But I love where you're going with that because that's exactly how I see it, too. Yeah, and it's just one of those things, like, if you go through life doing all the easy shit, you don't understand what adversity is, or you let, you, you let that person, you let that thing in life sock you in the jaw, and you stay the fuck down, and you never admit that that just happened, get back up and be better the yeah. next day. I preach, it, I preach it all the time, man. I preach it all the time. That 1%, you got to be 1% better every single day, no matter what. And I'm saying 1% as 1% may not seem like shit to you, and it shouldn't. It should. It should seem like a 1%. And the 1% out of 100, you're like, that's nothing. That's, that's failing. That's beyond failure. It's closer to zero than it's closer to even fucking, you know, two if you have that perspective. But it's one of those things like that 1% every fucking day for 365 days, like the whole year, you know what happens at the end of that. You actually reach your goal. Your growth is through the fucking roof. All these things open up, but you're even too lazy to fucking put 1% in. And you feel so fucking bad about all your failures. You have all these failures in a big fucking bowl next to you. And you look next to the other bowl is just nothing. And you think that that's a bad thing when actually that's a fucking good thing because you have a million reasons. You have a million failures that are a million reasons on why not to do it the same fucking way again. 
Well, you know, you know, like, like Warren Buffett and they, and they say it's focus. That's it. It's really focus. I mean, you just nailed it because the man's a human being is so afraid to plant a seed and wait to see what it becomes. They just want to go to the market and buy the fucking tree. They don't understand that by planting it and having patience, um, they get all of the reward and then it continues to recycle. Uh, the man is sitting at the marketplace and he sells apples and he's too afraid to put in 1% every day because he fucking wants 100% or nothing. So he fails until he dies. Um, remind me after this to tell you the, the story of the genie, okay? Um, so, so the one man just starves to death. The other man isn't afraid to put in the 1%. He understands that. So this is what he does, eh? He takes his barrel of apples and he sells them every day. But at the end of every day, he has one apple left over. The guy that just died, you know, he just threw that apple away every day, right? But this guy has a better philosophy. He understands that 1% eventually turns into 100%. And it's just time and having the thought process because those that fail to plan are planning to fail. So he takes that one extra apple and he buys himself an extra bucket. And every day he puts that extra apple in that bucket. And before long, he has two barrels of apples to sell and then three barrels and then four. And before long, a year goes by and he has to open up another fruit stand and have someone work for him. And he's the richest apple owner alive by saving one apple a day that the other man considered trash. So uh, the genie story is along the same lines. The, the rich emperor knows there's this guy with a little lamp and he gets him to come up. He tries to get it off him. The guy's like, no way. Finally, he convinces him he gets the lamp. And uh, this is what most people do in life, Anthony. This is why people like you and us that actually start the podcast and give it, get it moving and shaking don't ever have to worry about this, which is the biggest gift ever. Um, he tells the genie, give me a hundred coins. And the genie says, why not a thousand? And the guy says, you're right. Why not a hundred thousand? And he goes, well, why not a million? And they go back and forth like this for three days while he's locked in his room and he forgets to eat and drink any water and he dies. So you see what I'm saying? You got to do, man. You got to do and respect, respect the architect, man. It's one of those things where even without my adversity, and I may not have the mindset that I went through. You may not have the mindset. Like you said, we'd probably both be dead. You know, we probably would have never met anybody. We would have never met, would have never met our women that are in our lives and the friends and family that we have. And it's like, you got to put your two feet on the ground every single day and respect what's around you. You know, I had a friend the other day who was, we, I went to a business meeting. He tagged along. Um, it's a good business opportunity for both of us. It was just a really quick hello and goodbye. Look around the shop really quick. And we went outside and we talked. We haven't talked for a couple of months. You know, we, we, we chit chat here and there through text and stuff like that. But face to face off, we haven't made time for one another. He's a very young man. He's 21 years old. You know, I'm about to be 38 myself. And he was telling me, I'm like, Mike, what's going on with you, man? Like, you supposed so much. He's a, he's, a, he's a trainer. He's getting into personal training and fitness background. He trains kids out of his basement. All young kids, all athletes. He's making, you know, his parents allow him to be there. All these great things. Love this kid to death. And he's telling me, he's like, I don't know, man. He's like, I keep listening to, I keep listening to G. I keep listening to Gary Vee. And he keeps telling me patience. He keeps telling me patience. And he's like, I just, I don't have it. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have it? You have to have it. He's like, you know, I just want to open up this gym tomorrow. I'm going to open up gyms gym fucking bad. I want to fucking bad. I know I can do it. I know I can do it. And I said, cool. Let's just, let's just hold on one second. 
like you just said to me. I said, I'm going to give you $100,000 right now. Let's just say it's in my fucking car in a duffel bag. All marked bills. Good to go. Here you go. Here's $100,000. You go off and open up that gym. What do you think is going to fucking happen? You have no idea how to turn the lights on. You have no idea how to contract it. You have no idea how to run a business. You've never done it. You have no idea. So now you hire someone like me to help you out. You have to pay me. You only have $100,000. When is that going to run out? And then you're back to square one. Next thing you know, you're like, holy shit, what the fuck just happened in the past six months to a year? It's yeah. one of those things like, I told him, I said, you're worried about likes on Instagram and when you can open up your gym. And I was just scared that I had to push my heat bill back. Wow. And I said, I said, there's your fucking perspective. And it stopped him dead in his tracks. And we said bye. And I believe he waited 48, 72 hours to hit me back. And he gave me a paragraph text that said, thank you a hundred times over. I can't believe I actually put that on you without knowing your story. Wow. And I think the most beautiful way to wrap this podcast up would be you don't know what's going on with the person next to you. So always love your neighbor, man. Yeah. No fucking idea. You don't pull up to someone next to you, like you said, that's in a busted ass car and laugh at them. You don't know if they're going home to a mansion, they have a Ferrari, or they're just driving that around to even see because they're a dick. They want to see your, you see how you react to them in a busted ass car. You don't know anything. No, or maybe, or, or maybe they're ready to kill themselves and you're rude to them. Maybe they just lost a child. And so I, what I want to add to what you just said is this. Holy fuck, man. God forbid you ever spend a single day thinking outside yourself. And even if you're such a selfish piece of shit that you have to do it this way, I'm going to give you the way to do it for anyone out there that can't do it out of the right motives. And that's this. For the love of God, just have some fucking compassion for people and look at them and do it selfishly if you have to by saying, Oh my God, I don't want to give that person a wide berth. I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to assume the good end of it. I just want to be a piece of shit and hate on them and fucking make them suffer because I'm weak, because it's all my inadequacies. So if I know that, then let me be kind by being selfish because I can't do it the right way. And I'll simply say, well, fuck it. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because God. I would hope they would do that for me if I was in that position today. So even if you can't do it to be a nice person, do it because you fucking couldn't stand it if they did that to you. So find a way to be kind to people. And, and I want to add two last things since we're going to wrap this up. One, a financial tip that I'll give to people because I like to give helpful advice, and that's this. If you've been struggling at a business or this or that or in an endeavor or a, a new startup or accelerator and incubator, I don't give a fuck what you're doing. I want you to think about one thing. A lot of times it's incredibly hard to start in business when you have the steepest learning curve ever and it will cost you too much so we'll end up in bankruptcy no matter what. So instead of worrying about failing again, instead of feeling like this endeavor is not working, I want you to just think about how to hit it from five different angles. And I'll give you one angle to work on and that would be this. It's a lot easier to ride the coattails of a giant and make money than it is to create something from scratch. So if you're a good baker, if you're good at making this, if you can make dog leashes with turquoise buttons on them, figure out a way to go with somebody like Amazon that's a hundred, you know, bazillion dollar giant. And if you can even make a, a, a billionth of a piece of the pie on that structure, you can be rich and successful and branch out. Um, so if you're somebody in life 
that's been struggling like me with finances or business or just recycling through never-ending ideas, um, consider going with someone who's already established and is a giant, kind of like how I'm on here speaking with Anthony, who's a podcast beast right now, and, and I'm getting to ride on his coattail. And then the second piece of advice I'd give you would just be for life, and I've been thinking about it since Anthony said, you know, is that all you got? And, uh, and it's the, the scene in Forrest Gump where Lieutenant Dan is up on the top of the boat, and that storm is enough to just make a grown man shoot himself, and he just screams, is that all you fucking got? And that's what I want to leave you with, at least on this end today, is, is that all you fucking got in, in the midst of the worst storm that you've ever experienced in your life? And um, if you can just keep that mentality, man, there's nothing that will slow you down on this earth. And uh, remember, the number one way um, to get out of your own way and get out of yourself is to go look in the fucking mirror and smile at yourself and say, hey, guess what? You're amazing and you have succeeded thus far. You're alive, you're breathing. God, the universe, Yahweh, fucking the cramp, whatever you believe in, the shit has got your back. And here you are. And no matter how much you think you failed, you're fucking breathing, you're eating, and you have the chance for tomorrow. So for once in your life, just pat yourself on the fucking back and tell yourself how beautiful you are. And if you can't do it, I'll do it right here for you. Oh, you're yeah. beautiful. And, uh, and I, I feel privileged to just be here in this life with you guys. Dude, that's 100% how this is going to end. And I just want to say thank you so much for being on here. Where can everyone find you at, man? What's your Instagram handle? And uh, where can people follow you at to keep motivated and keep hearing your story and keep, keep living through you, man? Um, you know, it's Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, Blackmore, B-L-A-C-K-M-O-R-E, Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. One word on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter. I just got a TikTok account, all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm not monetizing any of it, so you can actually come get some motivation without worrying about the person hammering you for their fucking next product. And um, and you can help me by sharing my posts and uh, and helping me grow my organic reach. Because if you've been watching me, you can see that I haven't tried to gain a single follower in over a year. Um, I literally have just decided that I'm here. Why I'm here? I'm going to contribute and leave behind every fucking piece of warmth that I can before I'm dead. Yeah, man, the true G, the true G, let me tell you, man. You guys, like always, please give a five-star rating to this podcast. Whatever your favorite part of this podcast was, there have to be a million of them. Please take a screenshot, tag myself, tag, uh, tag Tyler. We're going to give you guys tons of love back. We really appreciate you guys sharing these stories, sharing these podcasts. Spread the love. Stop hating. Start loving oneself and start living for everyone else around you and stop being selfish in a really selfish way. And guys, like always, peace and love. Couldn't do it without you. Without this podcast, T and I probably would have never met. And without this podcast, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So we do love you guys, like always. Peace and love. Okay. Love you guys. And uh, thank you very much, Anthony. And, and just remember, guys, that you